Coming to you from that galaxy far, far away. This is the Star Warriors podcast. And tonight, this is Chris. And this is Rocco. And we're back for another installment of Marvel Comics. And we're going to be talking about November's comics. Yes. Last month's books. Plus, we decided to throw a little bonus uh, comic in this month because I really didn't want to wait until January to talk about Crimson Rain. Uh, I thought it was amazing. It's a really great start to this next or this middle chapter of Charles Soule's trilogy. Uh, and I, we have to make it part of the show, right, buddy? Oh, we absolutely have to. Um, Crimson Rain, it's probably one of the best comics I've read in Star Wars in a long time. Not, I wouldn't say it's the best Star Wars comic I've ever read, but in a while... In a, in a long time, it, it's, it is the best. Not only that, but I'm going to tell you, November's Star Wars Marvel offerings were on point. I mean, mm-hmm. these were all bangers as far as I'm concerned. I absolutely agree. And I was thinking that because we've, we've been dealing with this War of the Bounty Hunters event for five months. It was like almost like half a year. Yeah. And everything was so heavily tied to it and things were crossing over into the book, like the book from one book to another, you're seeing the same scenes and it was, it was an awesome story. Don't get me wrong, but to this month to kind of just step away from that and send these books off in their own directions. And I have some things to talk about in each individual book mm-hmm. from things we've discussed in past shows and whatnot. But I, I thought, Yes, this month was a great uh, offering, especially being kind of like, I guess, the in-between of two events, the the lull period, but it wasn't dull. No, no, it was far from dull. Um, and I think that they did that very, I think they did the transitions very well um, from, from one to the other, um, which would be War of the Bounty Hunters into Crimson Rain. And um I, I just really like that kind of Illuminati, that kind of like that background rulers, the people that are in charge in the background that you would have never heard of. And I, I just I love where this is going. And I think that this was a great segue into that. It's very intelligent as well, seeing that this time period and those two movies of Empire and, and Jedi are decades old already mm-hmm. and so ingrained in star wars history that you can still create a storyline that is this enjoyable and not alter too much of what we already hold so dear just adding to it as we always say absolutely and i i know we're going to talk about this uh but a little a little i would say a little grated cheese of the uh shadows of the empire in here just a little grated just on top just just for you to just just to enhance the flavor and i really really love that but we're going to get a detail with that later exactly so i'll save all of my enthusiasm and excitement for that uh but let's Absolutely. let's jump to the news from the hollow net uh some big things from star wars this week honestly Yes. First up, not all Amandla. good either. <laughs> not all good. You're right. <laughs> but the good does outweigh the bad in this True. in this case, and sometimes it doesn't. But yeah, it's very strange. Very strange. 
Uh, first up, Amanda La Stenberg has been cast in The Acolytes as the lead character. And so this actress is from, I believe, like The Hunger Games, mm-hmm. some other stuff like that. So this is exciting because yeah. we've been waiting for more stuff just outside of the books and comics in regards to the High Republic. Absolutely. Um, just the fact that this kind of comes at the end of the High Republic era, I think, is is really cool. Um, very curious to what the acolyte is really going to be about. Um, you know, I have that anticipation with like I had with Mandalorian. So I know what a Mandalorian is. Right. And I knew the show was coming at that time but I didn't know what was happening. So in terms of acolyte, I'm familiar with like a Sith acolyte. I'm very familiar with what that is and what that means, but I know nothing about the show other than that. And just the time period, the general time period it's in. So there is an excitement building for this in such a great way. And I really, really love that because, and I'm sorry to, I'm going to, I have to say this. So with Obi-Wan, with Obi-Wan, we know we don't know exactly what we're getting, but we have an idea, right? We know the time period. We know Obi-Wan. These are things we know. We know very much. We're very ingrained in what Obi-Wan is in this time period. We just don't know the details. We're going to get them, right? Number one. Number two, Ahsoka. We know Ahsoka. We love Ahsoka. We know we're getting Sabine. We know Sabine. We love Sabine. The Ahsoka show is coming we know a lot about Ahsoka. We know a lot about the characters. We know they're looking for Ezra. We know they're looking for Thrawn. And then there's details that we don't know. Still very excited. I go back to The Mandalorian. It was just called The Mandalorian. We had no frame of reference. It's the same thing as this Acolyte thing. There's no, there's nothing. We literally have nothing other than a time period and a vague idea of what a Sith Acolyte is. So, I am excited about this show on the level that I am excited about The Mandalorian. Does this make sense to you? Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm a Star Wars fan. And it's always been kind of about like what's coming. And this announcement because but it's like 50 years before The Phantom Menace, I believe, is the end of the, the High Republic era. Mm-hmm. But it's like two to 300 years before that that the is the beginning of the High Republic where we're at kind of right now. We're in stage two, which is still very early in the whole storytelling initiative. But I like the fact that they are going to jump forward and tell this tale because this tale obviously ties into, I guess, that's my guess, guess, that it ties into what we know, you know, since 1999 with the prequel trilogy. Sure, sure. And I'm really hoping that there is going to be a really heavy lean into Palpatine, um, whether he's talked about or whether he's actually seen in a younger way. I don't really care to see him like it'd be cool, but like I more want to like have someone talking about him. Hmm. I want to know about his rise. I want to know more about Plagueis And I want to see that on screen, but if it's told through someone else, or if it's told as a side story, like in the Mandalorian, we had the Boba Fett side story, right? 
Boba exactly. Fett's a very understandable character. He's and now he has his own show because they did a backdoor pilot with the Mandalorian. Let's just be honest, that's what happened. But anyway, mm-hmm. it tested high with the audiences. Now we got Book of Boba Fett in a couple of weeks. Can't wait. Hell yeah. But what I'm saying is, what if we got the same thing in the Acolyte, but Palpatine? So now we have the Acolyte, right? But the side story is Palpatine. Whether he's alluded to, whether he's talked about, or whether we actually freaking see him, I don't care. But make it a side story, and let's do another backdoor pilot <laughs> to a Plagueis series, and and that's what I'm that's what I'm thinking for Acolyte. Or Chris, I'm 100 percent wrong. Well, I mean, we we are talking about Charles Souls and is is heavily involved in the High Republic as well, and his storytelling is on on point. Yes, it is. So. I imagine that there is like to give it to give that much time for the High Republic is amazing because mm-hmm, you mm-hmm. you open up the world for a lot of storytelling. Oh yeah, it doesn't have a lot of like weight to it. So, but the end of it does because you have to. This is Star Wars. Things are connected, and there's reason why they do. They tell the stories they do. Absolutely. So, I I really I really hope that it is something along those lines. I mean, who knows if even the accolade is this this actor that has just been cast in the role. You know, it could she could be a Jedi for all we know. The accolade could be Palpatine, Palpatine but we're not even getting to that point yet. Exactly. Um, it's all red herrings and stuff with these companies, especially Disney. So 100%. I'm excited. Very excited. I'm excited too. Something I'm not excited for and buying a ticket for the <laughs> for the Galactic Star Cruise. Now I, I don't know if it's like internet flared up uh, opinions and 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 talk. You know how it usually it goes. Sure. But with this, apparently they pulled a video, the official video that they put out, and people are now canceling the reservations, mm-hmm. and it's not up to snuff and whatnot with what fans really want from Star Wars, and I. And honestly, I'm I'm sorry, my, my phone keeps going off because I have my camera. So excuse okay. the beeps. There's not a car in this room with me or or clowns or anything like that. But um, <laughs> I I was always kind of like, you're charging what for this yeah. for this this thing, and you're not really guaranteeing it's going to be great. And do you really even understand Star Wars, Disney? There's people that work for you that understand Star Wars, but for the most part, I've had a really hard time as of late, especially being like, all right, this is this is the company that deserves Star Wars. I, I don't know. I, I think that it deserves the price tag if it delivers on everything that it promised. And if it is not delivering on those things, then it is absolutely not worth the price tag. Like if I'm going to get a real. A real baptism in star wars if i'm gonna get the most realistic uh deep dive immersion into star wars if i get to take a a custom lightsaber home that i designed if i if it's all inclusive the drinks are all included if i get to have sex with a twilight (laughs) then that's part of it I for six grand, five grand, I'd hope so. It's two nights. I should get a different Twilight every each night. Right out of job is harem. But I won't I'm, say I disagree with you. Yeah, I mean, oh man. 
Sorry. Anyway, um, so no. What were we talking about again? Yeah, uh, yeah, right. What were we saying again? Hey. No. If if it if if they can guarantee that level of Star Wars immersion, jokes aside, then sure, it is worth that much money. But if they can't guarantee, I don't mean promise. No, no, no. Guarantee one hundred percent without fail that that experience will occur then you will get my five grand when i can ever afford it but if you can't if that can't be a a sticker on the box guarantee not interested man that's way too much money no way no way no how come on yeah no absolutely it's just who are your test audiences yeah yes you know like who uh, who are you making this for because Obviously, there's like this divide between fandom and general audience when it comes to Star Wars. And you think that Disney really wants to try to please the general audience. At the same time, the general general audience doesn't give really a crap about Star Wars, honestly. Like, there's a mass amount of fans out there who do and expect X, Y, and Z. So, please, just do it. Do it right. Or don't and do it at all. Invite us to just test it for you. We'll tell you yeah. if it's right or wrong. That's oh, yeah. I'll run a whole clinic on them. Send me there, and I'll give you a grade at the end, and then we'll go from there, okay? Exactly. That's what you should. Disney, I know you're avid listeners. I'm they available. They are. Um, next up in, in things we buy from Star Wars, in the collectible side, we got a slew of new uh, Black Series figures and whatnot from uh, the Mandalorian and Book of Boba Fett. So look for your Fennec Shand and your early, what is it, Tython Boba Fett with his, yes. like, his desert wandering outfit. And then yep. the throne Boba Fett. Uh, so getting gear for the upcoming show in a couple weeks. I can't wait. One of my favorite characters ever. And... I, I had to end my ban with Hasbro because they actually took care of customer service five months later, finally. So I was more than happy to pay the lower prices for decent looking action figures from my favorite side of the Star Wars universe, the crime side. Yeah. Even the Doctor and Pama Baba. Like that, come on, you know. Yeah, Dr. Evansan. Yes, um, yes. Yeah, the figures are beautiful. Um, unfortunately, I I didn't make any purchases um, on any of the new ones. I'm kind of hoping that I'll see them on pegs. They will. So I've been going here and there, hoping to just see something, but I haven't pre-ordered anything um, as of yet um, from anything new. The I think the next Star Wars figure I've got coming in January is Jyn Erso. Oh yes, the remake. Black series. Yeah, the yep, the black series and the the new angular boxes. And then I ordered uh two different uh vintage series Ahsokas that are upcoming. Um the vintage series Ahsoka from The Mandalorian and the vintage another vintage series Ahsoka from Clone Wars, but it's like young. The re-release, yeah, yeah, the re-release of the young Ahsoka, yeah. and that's just not on my shelf. I have a little shrine to her, um, so I'm I'm never gonna complain about adding to that. No, no, but I do have some complaints about this next item. Yes. Uh, so speaking of Twi'leks, 
the Rancor Haslab failed. It was priced at three ninety nine. Ridiculous. And, you know, honestly, it's like you want to give us a Gamorrean Guard, which we already have. You want to give us a Luke. We already have it. And then you're like, all right, we will make the Rancor Keeper. Fine. You should have started with that. Yeah. Started with that. And then gave us Ula. Maybe even like, I, I don't care. Like any other the Denzians of, of Jabba's Palace besides figures we already had. And then your price tag on this giant monster is way too high. So mm-hmm. I would love to back something like that if I was, you know, had some money. But at the same time, as a fan and avid collector of Black Series, like you failed. You failed at giving people what they wanted when you want them to pay this premium price. No, I, you're 100% right. But one thing that I think that sometimes that they don't think about is that there's a huge bulk of like Hasbro's fan base and like their black series figures and et cetera, vintage, all of the, all these figures, a large bulk of that fan base are dads. (laughs) And like, exactly. I have crib gremlins that I have to feed and clothe. And I also want to collect. So you've done that in the black series by giving me a high quality action figure at a price tag of 20 to $25 and sometimes 30, which is excellent for what I am getting. Okay. A hot toys. What are those like 400? Yeah. Yeah. Like two, like between two and 400 usually. So you're, you're going to do, you're going to do a rancor at 400 bucks and you're not going to automatically have all those other figures in it. Dude, kiss my ass. Like, I'm not spending yeah. 400 bucks on that at all. I'm not going to. I still have a Power of the Force Rancor that I love. Like, that's why I always loved the 3.75 inch scale for Star Wars because it's what it started with and it's still what it can be today. And they're making some great figures at that scale. And, you know, I just. I'm very unforgiving when it comes to this kind of stuff uh, as I, as, as we should be as consumers. So hopefully this comes back around and they make some better decisions and people can add this monster to their collection. Cause it's pretty cool. It would be great, but yeah, not at that price. No, not at that price. I mean, like, and the thing is that the price that black series is and the price of the vintage collection is, is that, I can forgive some small inconsistencies, like not when like there's an eyeball that's drifting. I'm <laughs> saying like, you know, little paint feature, right? Little paint features. I can forgive at that price point yep. at, at 12 99. I can, I can argue this, yep. but at $400 and it's a rancor and, and we could talk about all these different stretch goals. No, 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 dude, you should put that stuff in, in the beginning. Yeah, $400. And I'm still not going to buy it, but yeah. <laughs> but I'll, I'll tell you about it. I'll judge you on it. Exactly. It's good. Exactly. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. And finally, uh, we got the Eclipse trailer, uh, the upcoming video game from Quantic Dream, who made Detroit Becoming Human and Heavy Rain, I think it's called. Um, this looks great as a cinematic trailer. Um, but we still have like four years to wait until the game comes out. I'm intrigued. I 
I tried playing Heavy Rain. I I didn't like it, but then again, it was a time of I'm not sure if I was really into video games at that time. So I am more than happy to try Detroit Becoming Human in the next four years before this comes out, and probably Heavy Rain as well. I I just can't get into these cinematic video games where I just make text choices and then like you know I, I press a button and I get a choice and then and then that's it then I see it acted in front of me that's like a movie with too many steps <laughs> so like like at that point just give me a movie um I, I'm sorry I just I want an action game I want like like I've said this before I'm gonna say it again and I don't care you can do this I want I want a Skyrim game with Star Wars. Like it's it's so ripe for that. So like I saw this trailer for this game. It's beautiful. Stunning. Now tell me what the gameplay is going to be. <laughs> like start they with did. that. They did. They told you what what studios making it so get ready for that. Ah, criminy. Yeah. No, I agree with you. At the same time, we've had these studios try to make games and they're afraid they're like this is too much we we're gonna get murdered by the fan base we'll get death threats yeah you probably will um but yeah i mean it's just like they're so afraid of the undertaking that we're not getting good games so finally at least other studios have licenses to make star wars games instead of ea yeah and you know what we're gonna get a fallen order 2 we're gonna get some other stuff even before this game so We'll be happy, and maybe this will be fun. I don't know. You know, at at this point, I'll let you know after I played Detroit Becoming Human, if it's even something I'm like, "Hmm, okay. Yeah, I mean, we'll we'll see. It's Star Wars, so I'm I'm more apt to wanting it anyway. So exactly, exactly. But let's let's talk comics. Let's let's get to this. Not that there's nothing wrong with having a good old geeks out section about all this great never star wars news this week but this show is all about the marvel comics from uh november mm-hmm. plus mm-hmm. a little bonus crimson rain and so we're going to start with star wars 19 uh it's called dangerous turn it's written by charles soul art by marco castiello uh colors by rochelle rosenberg and letters by clayton cowles mm-hmm. and so the beginning of this is is very kind of bittersweet because the rebellion had been scattered after Hoth and we've been following these stories of the starlight squadron and trying to get the rebellion back together and whatnot. So we get Akbar and Mothman in the same room, just kind of like that scene in Jedi where you're like, Love that Holy scene. crap, the whole, the whole uh, rebellions together. Like we have everybody. It's such a, like, always to me growing up, it was a very influential scene because you didn't see these leaders and this big, this big gathering because everybody had been such a small cell up to mm-hmm. this point. Mm-hmm. And now here we are. Um, what did, what did you think? No, I, I loved this. I loved, um, I love this whole book. This was a great book. Yeah, arguably my favorite of the month. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that it helps begin to answer a question of how was Luke so powerful in Return of the Jedi with so little training on Dagobah? And I think this starts to answer that. And I really like that the way that they did that. We're like, ah, okay. Like there's more to his training, if you will. 
Um, I also like the callback to a previous Darth Vader comic. I don't know if you caught that. What was it? So that dude that was trying to help Luke, that was obviously a Jedi sympathizer. The mechanic? Yes, said that um, like there was a Jedi in hiding there and that he had helped them escape by going to face Darth Vader in essence. And Vader brought the whole dam down. Um, That was, and that was um, not this current. No, maybe it was the original. It was one of the Vader runs, not dark Lords of the Sith. Maybe, I don't know. God damn. Vader had that. Remember they had that, they had that whole thing between a new hope and empire that whole run of vader yeah it's, it it's one of those runs either way there is definitely an issue where vader goes to this planet to find a jedi finds mm-hmm. the jedi and pulls the whole dam down um flooding the place and killing a lot of people just to kill this jedi and what i loved was reading this years later and this dude is talking about did, did you find it no, I didn't. I was just going to mention the same thing happens in Bounty Hunters this month too. A throwback um, to a character was it Bounty Hunters? No, Crimson Rain. Crimson Rain does the same thing with a throwback with the orphans. And the lead of the orphans was actually a bounty hunter that showed up in the I think early Vader comics. Showed up in Lando and different things like that. So this, what Charles Soule is doing here is he's creating these characters and then he's bringing them back into into his storytelling so you might be right because charles soul wrote that darth vader run yes he did took place after the fall i think that's maybe what you're remembering most likely yes but the way it was the way they just did that i thought was really really cool um and i just i really really dug it and you know seeing i'm sorry but just seeing luke skywalker with a jedi holocron is just cool it's just like I I just saw that page. I'm like, this is just cool. This is so cool. You know, it's it's interesting because he's he has a struggle, right? Mm-hmm. He's like, I want to help the rebellion, but I almost got my ass kicked by Vader mm-hmm. again. So what do you really need to do? And like you said, there's no explanation of how he gets that uh, that much more powerful. And he doesn't go to visit Yoda again. Mm. Even in this comic, he's like, Yoda's mad at me. Like, I can't yeah, go see much. him. Yeah. He's mad. He's not returning my texts. Right? Right? Come on. Come on, Yoda. You want to save the universe, but you're going to give this kid this cold shoulder? Yeah. Um, It's funny. He he jumps all around the galaxy. He's mm-hmm. looking for these different spots because, as we learned in the previous comic, R2 has, like, this database of mm-hmm. of different Jedi sites that still may be, you know, of use to him. So... We get like Ilum, which we know was the ice planet with all the the Kuiper crystals, but we know what happens to that. <laughs> yes, um, I love that. They're splitting the planet in half, and it's like I know what they're doing because I saw this movie. But anyway, <laughs> and that's it. I mean, it's just these little tie-ins here and there that make this that much more rich, as we always say. Absolutely. Um, what was that? so the mechanic's name was Kali um I you know it's funny I loved how Luke tried to do like the mind touch and like control the troopers at first and he failed 
and then at the end he gets it <laughs> yeah exactly i thought that was just super i thought that was super awesome like just seeing him fail you know was like okay so he's learning he's he's trying here exactly did we mention that yoda pops out of that hologram Mm-mm. not yet right that's quite a way to leave that. yeah it's quite a way to leave this comic because he knows he's acting as if yoda's mad at him of course um can he go back and train with this master but then he's also looking for new routes to learn the force and it's it's ironic that yoda actually is 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 the one who put the message into that holocron yes i i thought i thought that was awesome and just seeing yoda pop out you know and luke is like all right you know let's do this and it, it was like i said i i really i really really loved this issue in november this is a great issue and this is a book that is going to go in its own direction once crimson rain really starts up yeah. i just this like luke skywalker's involvement in this whole this whole foray foray or whatever uh it's just he it wouldn't make any sense to bring him in we're looking at like the the syndicate side of things we're looking at vader dealing with the fallout of all of this but luke has his own path yeah luke has his own path but do you remember the end of crimson rain when they sent someone to the jedi archives Mm -hmm. and they said they were looking for even even other enemies of the sith Mm -hmm. and they were searching for yoda right as bait so my thought is is this where they connect i thought about that too i could be wrong you know it's because like why here's the thing too why let's save actually i want to save this for that for that issue because i have this theory i want to hear it my my thought about luke is that he doesn't really he doesn't go back to see yoda until then right until jedi maybe you're right yeah technically will he have to go save yoda from this whole thing who knows maybe that's why yoda is like he goes back suddenly just the dagobah and yoda's not giving him a lecture he just he's there dying so i have a theory to talk about that later yes. when we talk about crimson rain so okay ironic that yoda shows up i also one other thing that was interesting here is that we have another mention of holdo yes. uh, and she's working to kind of get the crime families to sympathize with the rebellion. Yes. And that's fun because we see a lot of this, this, this political intrigue happening with Crimson Rain, uh, number one, and mm-hmm. seeing how Kira is kind of like pulling the strings. Yeah, absolutely. It's a great issue. This is a great issue. Absolutely. Art was, art was great. I yes. really hope that they continue this art style because I actually really enjoyed it for the story they're telling. And speaking of art, I really loved this month. Mm-hmm. You were going to introduce the next. Comment. I was not. I was going to transition, but go ahead. No, no, please. No. What oh, were you say? Oh, Doctor Afra. Yeah, yeah. All right. The art. Good. I was just saying art that I really specifically enjoyed in November. I think Afra's artwork is fantastic. Yes, There's, it's been up and down. They've been changing. Yes, people here and there, and. The story hasn't been solid. It hasn't really been on point as a tie-in no. to War of the Bounty Hunters. No. But honestly, taking what they did and now moving forward to what they're 
looking to do possibly and what we've discussed with these artifacts and whatnot i i was kind of intrigued about this whole storyline and i thought it was they they brought up some things that we'll talk about but let me do these officials Please. uh we're going to be talking dr afro number 16 it's called resurrections mm-hmm. it's written by Alyssa wong art by minkyu jung colors by rochelle rosenberg and letters by joe Karamagna. and so we <laughs> It's funny because we start this 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 issue off as with little employee review, yeah. Uh, but this this employee ends up being a Crimson Dawn operative, mm-hmm. and Lady Domino adverts the attack and ends up killing this assassin. And so we see we see this continue like this movement across the galaxy of Crimson Dawn trying to take out these these different syndicates, but we've been attached to lady domino as a character since this comic began and and she plays an interesting role because as much as like you want to sympathize for for crimson dawn there's still villains and in, in, in a certain point of view um, oh, so is lady domino right? oh man <laughs> lady domino i have to tell you something you ever you ever watch the show workaholics i i have not are you have you ever do you know what it is okay there is an episode where they say she gives me a fear erection it's like (laughs) when i'm scared but i also have a boner and like that is lady domina honestly like anytime i see her that's exactly i that's exactly what it is they nailed it on that show nailed it so you like you start shaking the comic and you get a boner that's, a little that's bit, what happens a little bit yeah i get gotcha. scared of her no but i i do <laughs> i have in in all seriousness joking aside i really um i like anytime she's in an afro comic <laughs> because she is terrifying no absolutely i agree you it's, know it, she's she's like she's the one that hired them mm-hmm. and we always remember that they're not they're not part of crimson dawns so this whole thing that's happening around them they're they're playing like this gray line, of course. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about Afra and Sana and and all like this whole thing about her arm being broken and mm-hmm. then Domina fixing it and her being kind of in debt now. Mm-hmm. Then we go back to that artifact, the thought the thought dowser. Yes. And we learn something very interesting about it that this the ascendant, they try to use technology to replicate the powers of the force. <clears throat> And yes. so now we're tying into this. Now, who are ascendant? Is this is this an, a group that maybe belonged back during the High Republic time? During the Jedi Hill. talking about, yeah. you know. So, who are these people in the Eclipse trailer, um, <laughs> and whatnot? So, I mean, here's what we've been asking for: bring these artifacts into the Afro comic. She's an archaeologist. There's a certain beat that should be happening with these comics and the storytelling. And I think they're really starting to nail it now. Yes, I, I do too. Um, Afra, like we've said so many times, has really been up and down and has really been shaky. Um, but this this was a great this is a great book. I, I did enjoy reading it. It wasn't my favorite, no, but it was definitely like anything bad to say about this book. This was yeah good and all the way up to the end i loved the last panel i loved i didn't expect that i really didn't and i liked the fact i liked it yeah i mean they they decided to 
uh, bring in a dark Jedi of some sort. Yes. And there's a second thought drowser that disappears. You see all these severed hands, which are, is alluded to a little bit earlier in the book. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, and then all of a sudden you see it. And mm-hmm. so here we have another dark Jedi, I assume, which they're really starting to build on now with Crimson Rain and, you know, the Knights, Knights of Ren and saying there are just two dark side users in the galaxy. Darth Maul was out there. Yeah. You know, the Knights of Ren, Acolytes of whatnot, you know, so yeah. it's interesting to think about and finally see that they're embracing this kind of thing. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. And I think that it is cool to expand on that. And, and that's what we're really, that's what we're really getting here is, is an expansion on dark side users versus Sith. Sith is just one part of maybe the most powerful of the dark side users. Sure. That's fine. But there are other dark side users. I mean, we even had in clone wars, we had, you know, the witches of Dathomir. Mm-hmm. So, you know, again, dark side users, but not Sith. So, and that's the funny thing. Cause it's like, how much of that came from George, George Lucas to begin with. Right. And, and they did the night sisters in the original EU mm-hmm. was the clone wars storytelling was during was before Disney. Right. Yeah, it As was. Well, so yeah. it's just, when do you really want to start doing this? Because you, you started out with what, what were they in, in rebels? They were the, sisters and the brothers oh man inquisitors yeah the inquisitors yep yeah. right so there's a lot of a lot of things to do here you don't just have the jedi running around so well we're looking we, forward to it we saw the concept art of obi-wan and there will definitely be inquisitors and that i cannot wait for but anyway Absolutely. when it comes to afro this is a great book and yes right at the end we have ronin tag who exploded was in a is actually in a back to tank and he's looking real lean and and ready to crazy like yeah ready to do something who knows what yep and as we always say let's let's hope this book just continues along the like the path of using artifacts and hopefully ties in some high republic stuff because that would be great absolutely anyways let's uh let's take our commercial break and we'll be back with more Star Wars. DFAT Comics is the publishing branch of Don'tForgetATowel.com, the only place to travel geekly. Focusing on creator-owned and independent titles like Hollowed, Pursuit of Plastic, and Fairy, and many more. DFAT Comics will be a mix of genres appealing to every kind of reader. Join the new source of comic book entertainment, with DFAT Comics. Hey, come take a seat at the campfire. You're not the only one who joins. I've got friends that come over sometimes, too. We talk about a ton of interesting things from geek culture. Then we cover some conspiracies or philosophical thoughts or monsters. You know, we talked about Bigfoot in one episode. It's a lot of fun, so come join me at the campfire chats. A DFAT entertainment podcast hosted on Spotify and other fine places you find podcasts. Need more context on your favorite movie? Is Obama. Obama, okay. Senator Obama. 
Ever wonder why they did or didn't do that thing or include that scene? This is prime. Like, this is perfect quality entertainment. Check out Gutsy Media Podcast as my friends and I take a deep dive into everything from blockbusters to indie films. The weakest apple cider bitch beers. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. That's Gutsy Media Podcast for everything movies. We are back with uh, Star Warriors Marvel Comics for the month of November this is Rocco. And this is Chris. And uh, I think, Chris, we're moving into Bounty Hunters number 18. This is a great book, man. This was a great book. Uh, it's called Galaxy's Greatest, written by Ethan Sachs. Uh, art by Ramon Buck. Uh, colors by Brian Valencia. And letters by Travis Lanham. Uh, so... The last time we left Valance, who is the tr- like the main character of this, mm-hmm. obviously. I mean, we have some other people in this, but Valance was such a hero in War of the Bounty Hunters, only to get taken by the Empire. All of his parts, basically, like even his down to his last human part, his heart removed, and he's more machine than man now. And Vader basically has him in the in the palm of his hand. And we start this book off and the way they structure this book is actually very interesting Yes, because you start with a flashback to Valance's childhood and he's watching this Imperial parade on Chorin mm-hmm. and he loves the empire. He wants to be a part of it. And he run, runs across this soldier called Taro Sokoli mm-hmm. uh, who basically like he looks up to as like like this mentor type character you can tell and he's just like so enamored by him and then we flash to where he is now thanks to the empire <laughs> and he learned the hard way that maybe all his hopes and dreams weren't all they were cut out to be they were literal fantasy um yeah. they were not you know fantasy to become reality um but yeah i i do love in contrast the beginning and the end but yeah the beginning with that flashback and then you get that rude awakening of pretty much valence's uh, uh movement through the empire you know um being what's stranded by his own team um to then you know being surgically enhanced multiple times due to his injuries there was that side story though too in this book with tonga and like Bosk the, and the for, respite. Yeah. They, we're between events, right? So the bounty hunter, this bounty hunter crew who Tasha Leach, Leach, whatever his name is. Tasha Leach. Yeah. Tasha Leach. This little crew is pretty amazing because they just go to this cantina and then, and then they're like, they really want to blow off some steam. So the cantina gets held up and they're like, all right. Let's, let's just Sweet. deal with these these bugs. Yeah. It's, yeah, go ahead. No, I, go ahead. I just I love that like Bosk wanted to get in on it, but he's like, I'm regrowing my legs right yeah. now. Like I just love that. Like I'd love he to He still does. Yeah, he still jumps in, but it's just funny. He's just got like stuff, he's got like nubs, he got like nubbins. Yeah. Just, yeah, they just they just like totally mess up this these robbers who thought they were gonna come into this canteen and rob it. Luckily, luckily, this crew was there for the owner of the cantina because, you know, they would have been screwed. Yeah, we got a little roadhouse in Star Wars and it was <laughs> it was enjoyable. 
Exactly. They just wanted to blow off some steam. A bar fight was great. And even that Nexu got in on an action. I, yes. I love that they're like, they have that giant monster follow, following them around and then just randomly they'll just throw the monster into the story and it eats something. But it's 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 just, it's fun because it ties back to Attack of the Clones and, and what. Yeah. I love that. And then going back to what you said earlier about Valence, that scene where he sees his own heart outside of his body. Yeah. Um, and he's just like, I can't feel my heartbeat. And, you know, he, he decides to tussle with Vader. <laughs> and Vader just straight up wrecks his shit and then tells the droids to rebuild him again and that <laughs> they'll finish this conversation later. Put them back together like I love that though, that calm arrogance invader where it's like, all right, this dude just tried to kill me. I put him in his place and all he says is put him back together and we'll finish this conversation later. Like, dude, wow. Like the, but that's, you know, that's Vader. It is. And so he basically blackmails him into not black mills he 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 will destroy the planet that his love interest lives on Mm -hmm. right or colony or whatever it is he's like oh she's still alive and valence is just he doesn't know what to do so he agrees of course and so then vader brings in his right hand man ochi of bastoon valence's new boss and Mm -hmm. uh they assign a special mission and we come full circle to the character we met at the beginning, Charles Socoli, who is now fighting against the Empire. And this is I that's why I really I, I love this issue because it was it was structured so well. And it was. Yeah. And I was really kind of worried like we weren't gonna get balance for a while. Like balance is gonna kind of be just off. Yeah. Off, and we're gonna have to like the Tonga crew and 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 deal with them during battle hours maybe they're going to change you know pace but i love what what they did with this issue and i'm really looking forward to how it ties into the rest of you know um crimson crimson rain absolutely and i what i like is that like vader knows that he's too obvious to hunt crimson dawn in the empire so he is sending valence to hunt crimson dawn within the empire and the one that they end up having the lead on is that dude from the beginning. I just, just like you said, that, that coming for full circle, the way they structured this story, it was very, it was one of my favorites this month. This was a, this was a great issue. I really enjoyed it. I agree. I agree. Just almost as much as I enjoyed this next issue. Because what Greg Pak has been doing on Darth Vader has been monumental to trying to tell a story of what Darth Vader has been doing between this time period of Empire and Jedi and really building that psyche up of how he hates the Emperor. And we get it in this issue. Yeah. And he says, there's chaos who is Sidious and there's order. And that's Vader. And Vader is on this full mission to bring order to the galaxy. And the fact that this was so heavily like leaned into in this issue made it that much better. But let me do 
Let me quickly do the uh, the officials here. Absolutely. We got Darth Vader number 18. It's called Bread Revenge, written by Greg Pack, art by Leonard Kirk, colors by Alex Sinclair, and letters by Joe Carabagna. This issue, besides Vader, interesting because this procession with this holy figure through mm-hmm. the streets of, I believe it's probably like their own planet with all these mobs of people who don't like like are angry is obviously not a good situation for the people of this planet but yet this holy figure and and is his her brother whatever it is um they're protected by this like orb shield mm-hmm. and crimson dawn soldiers mm-hmm. and what i loved about this was just it was insane action from the moment that this this assassin group decided to pull off their pull off their job and go into this whole thing and just dropping thermal detonators to crack the shell and then one one of them like sniping the holy man from afar and it was just like it's interesting to see this dynamic between these groups who are still fighting for I don't know, they're mercenaries or whatever. They don't yeah. care. And Crimson Dawn, who's trying to like take over and have this grasp over the, the syndicate in the underworld. Oh, yeah, a- absolutely. And how Vader is trying to use their grasp on the underworld to his um, liking. Um, you know, and this, uh, this issue surprised me with where it was taken. So on this planet, as you're say, as you're saying, Crimson Dawn is painted as the bad guys, which, like you said, at the end of the day, they are villains. They they just are. And Vader shows up to vanquish Crimson Dawn to his liking, but ends up being a local hero to the people that Crimson Dawn are already oppressing. So they're really just trading one oppressor for the other in ignorance which you know does have a lot of real world implications but we don't get into that right now but what i'm saying is i thought that that was very creative is the point i'm making it's extremely creative and it's also very telling of i guess the ignorance of the outer rim and just how the empire has been able to squash any kind of rumors of what's happened there's no like people don't know who Darth Sidious and Darth Vader are. Like there's this emperor and he has this, there's like this force, this storm that follows him and does his bidding, but nobody really knows who Darth Vader is when it, when it comes to the outer rim. And I, I like that because it does kind of just differentiate the galaxy mm-hmm. and, Absolutely. It, and it allows for this kind of storytelling. And when they called Vader a hero, I was like, this is fucking smart. Yes, yes. <laughs> because everybody's smart. being oppressed. You know, they're being oppressed in the outer rim by pirates or whatever. And this powerful dude comes and saves you. <sighs> Amazing. Oh, yeah. This is the hero we've been waiting for. It's exactly it. And it, it was just, it was so cool. And And you know, Vader knew that he thought of that and he used that he used that to his advantage and he did it very well but 
let's talk about the end real quick if we can or did you have more you wanted to say do you have more notes on this one i just yeah i want to talk about yeah. how ochi continues to play his role as vader's stooge yet we know he's heavily ingrained into crimson dawn so it's interesting because we, we mentioned this last show it's like what happens with ochi because he he obviously makes it through this he does you know so it's 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 kind of crazy to think that somebody can play vader like this but in the end oshi doesn't die so vader either realizes he got played and maybe spares some out of respect i don't know we're jumping ahead but i um That's i love this because oshi was like oh we now have a group of true believers and it's nice to have some expendable expendable assets and vader answers you are all expendable in the name of order. And in my head, it's like cueing the dark side music mm-hmm. or the Vader's March or whatever. Like, it's like, do, 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 do. And, and so I, I hear I, it. That was a really great part of the comic because it just goes back to this thing where Vader is all about order. And maybe he knows what Ochi's doing. Who knows? But, Vader is convinced that he is on the right path and he's going to do anything to, you know, achieve his goals. Yeah. yeah. Or he could also find out that what Ochi is doing as a double agent and Vader is just like, you're going to literally do what I say, or I am going to just straight up murder you right now. Like who knows? Like you said, we know Ochi makes it through. Right. Is Ochi a double agent to Crimson Dawn? Where he's working for Vader. That's what you're saying. Or he's a triple agent. Triple. I mean, quadruple. Yeah, exactly. Who knows? I don't, know. I don't even know what's the real word. <laughs> but I do. I love what they're doing with Ochi. Yes. I really do. Me too. Me too. It's, it's, it's hugely important seeing that he plays a part in the sequel trilogy. And as we've been, you know, talking about on all of these shows, this is where the storytelling and the mending happens and you put it all together and you can write things that will make the sequels make more sense. And I, and I like it just like, I like how the end of this book with a throwback to what we've already experienced, you know, a character we've met and also, you know, a heavily influenced character from the the prequels. Yes, absolutely. And as soon as I saw in the upper left-hand corner in the first tile there where it said polis massa yeah and it's just like okay so cool so where the twins were born and like you just know that for fact like you're going and you're like oh shit what like where are we going with this as soon as it says polis massa i'm like where are we going and then you see that she's got the uh naboo pilot helmet on that was like i i caught that immediately I'm like okay so she's she's from naboo and then she's looking at recordings and you see that she's working for Crimson Dawn and she doesn't know what she's going to do to Vader when she sees him. This is Sabe. It is Sabe. Okay. Yes. yes. There we go. Okay. Sabe. But she works for Crimson Dawn. She's got right. the patch. She got the Girl Scout patch. Crimson <laughs> yeah. Dawn. And, you know, participation badge. Exactly. So now, you know, things have gotten even crazier. Crimson Dawn's reach. It's just another showing of, of where it went and how Kira is able to manipulate people 
to join her cause, good or bad. Yeah, exactly. And it's it's nice because Pack started this run with that whole Sabai story. He and did. it's a nice way to bring her back and say, oh, hey, she's involved with Crimson Dawn. Holy shit. Uh, 100%. 100%. And then I have to also mention I did get the Poe Dameron BB-8 <laughs> cover. The Oscar Isaac special. Oscar Isaac is he's just so wonderful. He's just a wonderful yeah. man. Absolutely. Absolutely. I have to agree. We'll have to do a podcast in Oscar Isaac someday. When uh, Moon Knight comes out, we're doing that. That's exactly what I was alluding to. Listen up, casuals. Moon Knight. That's right. But let's jump to the last book. Now, we made a special uh, agreement between you and I that we couldn't wait until January to talk about this book. It's too important. It's December. It's the last episode of the year. We started this show in January of this year. I I think so. Did we? So. So. It's pretty epic, um, and I, I I would really like to end this year uh, with this with this issue, and but we still do have one more episode of Star Warriors to come. We're going to be doing our year end episode with everybody, so I'm looking forward to that group event. So look forward to that by the end of the year. But yes, let's talk Crimson Rain. Let's do it. This one's called The Orphans. It's number one, and it's written by Charles Soule, art by Steve Cummings. Colors by Guru EFX and letters by Travis Lanham. And the way they open this is interesting because they're like after the fall. Mm-hmm. And we meet this character Carl, called the archivist, archivist. I don't mm-hmm. know how to pronounce things. I'm really bad with the English language, but <laughs> um, we don't learn her name right away. But she opens this tale with very much like a storytelling aspect mm. and she's running through this um it's like an it's a holocron right like some somebody, type of holocron. somebody opened a holocron and she says oh you've accessed this with the light side of the force so this story is coming from some point in time ahead of crimson rain of where the archivist has has put her story into this holocron and I would love to know who's opening it, but I think that'll be our big reveal at the end. Yes, exactly. But we have a story and it's really about Kira. Yes. This whole trilogy is opened, returning Kira to the forefront of the Star Wars universe, her debut in solo, her quick uh, ascendance to one of the, one of the highest ranks in, in all of the crime syndicates as head of Crimson Dawn, uh, a syndicate that had lain dormant for so long and now has decided to make their move. And it's, it was amazing by the end of War of the Bounty Hunters to see how many characters and how many factions they had infiltrated. Absolutely. And to also think that she outlasted Maul, um, really you know we're gonna get there to that nitty-gritty of what happened there because maul is definitely dead we know how maul dies but we also know before he dies he is a decrepit seeming man on a old sith world hiding in the dark how did he get there and and kira is the key to that so seeing her in the comics is very cool um just that in itself 
And now we're actually getting this really full story, which I'm really, really excited about. Exactly. So she, we, we saw all the players, the pieces come into play during War of the Bounty Hunters. And now we get this really cool splash page with all of Crimson Dawn like assembled. And I'm like, Crimson Dawn, assemble. Um, Knights of Ren. <laughs> uh, Chaneth Cha and the uh, the orphans. Mm-hmm. Who I mentioned Chaneth Cha earlier, how she was, you know, another character created by Charles Soule back in Lando and has mm-hmm. also carried through Darth Vader and whatnot. So it's great to see these characters come back and are used once again, because that's that's really what this is about. And that's how the EU, you know, built storytelling over so many years. It's just you deliver these great characters and then you bring them back and you tell more stories with them and people become more and more familiar. So and Death Stick is there too. Exactly. And we we're like making fun of Death Stick for a while. And now Death Stick's kind of cool. And then you see her with her half jaw. She's like, what the heck happened to her? So yeah. Wild, wild stuff. And then we got Ochi, of course. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then Margo and Trinia are Kira's advisors, mm-hmm. most trusted companions, and they play a huge role in this comic. Yes. Um, so, going in, they're just talking yeah, to all these different, like they're talking all these different syndicates. They're talking yep. all these different groups. And then, and, and just, I, I love the, that one page where it was like the multiple panels and it was like, they were saying the same thing. But it was, you know, Kira and then her advisors. And then Kira makes a a fun uh, trip to the Falleen. And I know that you're very excited about this, Chris. So I'd love to hear your take. I am. I am very excited about this. Um, I just wanted to mention one other thing, which is yeah, funny. Yeah, yeah. Because she brought all these people together because they are they've all been wronged by the stiff and so she 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 throws up this pyramid and it's like the sith are like the greatest pyramid scheme oh like, my god yeah of the entire galaxy they're the lularoe of right in the galaxy they're like we need to kill them they they've screwed us all over with the pyramid scheme they're out of control like look what happened to darth maul that poor bastard so uh, I thought that was kind of funny. That's all I could think about was when she threw that pyramid up. I was like, "Yeah, no, I, I that sidious bastard. He's I, such a schemer." I agree. And I love the way that she broke that down, and I love the way she talked about Maul, and I love the way how she was like letting them all in on the secret. And I was like, "This is great. This is good stuff. I want to see this, and I'm glad I'm seeing it now." Exactly. But yes. Let's talk about the elephant in the room. The the thing I texted you about immediately when I got spoiled on the internet yep. so everybody could feel my pain. No, I'm just joking. So everybody could embrace the love. I sent it to Casey and he was like, Look, I really need to read these comics. I'm like, you're, you're damn right you do. Come on. Yeah, what the get fuck? on this. What's wrong with him? Like, all we did was like <laughs> when <laughs> we were like <laughs> to tell a funny story in high school when was it high school or middle school? Whatever it was when this hit. It was early high school. Um, it was like, what are pheromones? And then we'd like look up online, like try to find pheromones. Because we're just dudes who were like trying to like 
hanging out with girls. It's like, oh, yeah. pheromones work? Okay. It's a weird story at this point in life with all the movements lately. But yeah, sure. that's exactly what the 90s were all about. You know, that's why people have their issues. But let's bring Shizor back. Shizor is back. And I, I'm pretty sure I called this when we were talking about War of the Bounty Hunters. You did. You did. He's coming at some point. Yeah, I mean, the fact that he his name was used flat out Prince Shizor wasn't just Shizor wasn't something else Shizor it was Prince Shizor those two words were said they were put together they were discussed we did not see Prince Shizor but we know now he is canonized he exists last we have left is Dash Rendar but that's not who we're talking about right now um, he's been but- canonized he he is in a a book from the solo, like when they do those those books, those mm-hmm. canon books, mm-hmm. he's mentioned in one of them. Just mentioned, oh, wow. but he's there. Dash Render is a character in in new canon. All right. Well, I want to see his ass or something. I Me don't too. Know. But we we have a definite Shizor sighting, if you will. Exactly. And I'm hoping that Shizor plays a much bigger role because, as you mentioned, Kira's. Kira's talking to Black Sun. Um, her her advisors are talking to like the Pikes and another syndicate, and they're all telling them the same thing. Like, we only want to work exclusively with you. And so they're playing all these syndicates. And so they they actually they cause the syndicate war. And this is this is a huge event that's uh, is just happening now as we go into de- into December's books. Uh, which a lot of you probably are reading at this point, and we'll talk about that in January. But a syndicate war is a huge, huge thing to think about. And they even mentioned how like Jabba's stepping back and watching it all happen because we we know of Jabba. We know yeah. that's who we're familiar with when it comes to the syndicates yeah. and the cartels and whatnot. But what about all these other players that have been introduced in the Clone Wars and Rebels and the comics and whatnot? And so here we are, and Crimson Dawn is just laying a match under all of this to make the galaxy that much more chaotic so that the Sith are affected by that. Absolutely. It's, it's, I think that this is such great background storytelling to the films and, and everything else we know for this time period. I can't wait for Crimson Rain, too. I don't know. I don't know how else to put it other than that. Um, I love, I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, the emperor, it got all the way to the emperor, the syndicate, like the fact that the syndicates were warring with each other. Yes. And the emperor realizes this is not, this is not good. And I like that it's gotten to that level of, you know, the emperor realizing this. So again, at the end of the day, we're reading these books and we're seeing how they're influencing and changing the return of the Jedi. Absolutely. Another thing that happens is they jump to the orphans. So mm-hmm. we see this like crazy attack on a black black sun facility. It's fun to meet more of these characters. It's like a whole lady squatting, including a lady droid. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they're just like, they're just kicking the crap out of all of them. Um, and this is what starts the war. But then we jump to the Knights of Ren mm-hmm. and we, we see something, you know, one of the most interesting things to me is is Vader's castle. And we we saw it in Rogue One. It's always been alluded to even in the EU. There's a there's a Lego set for it. 
There's oh, supposed Lego special takes place during it. We were supposed to see uh, Vader's castle was written into the Empire Strikes Back and never yep. made the cut. Exactly. We're talking about deep, deep cuts into old, old canon that they're finally like bringing to the forefront. And the fact that the Knights of Ren are basically going like a heist or attack or whatever the hell they're doing. I can't wait to see what happens because this makes me really realize how underused those characters were in the sequel trilogy. And I'm ready for some like some dark side shenanigans from non-Sith people, especially when I can read this voice in Christian Slater's voice. So. <laughs> exactly, exactly. No, when I saw the hologram pop up and it was Vader's castle and they were like, this is our next target. I was just like, yes, I want, yes, I want to see this very badly and, and to see where it goes. It's just, they're opening up some great doors, some doors I didn't even know I wanted to, to have opened. No, exactly. I would never have like, guessed that they're going to do something like that. I, I've been watching a lot of heist stuff lately, and I'm just like, let's do this. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I want to see how bad these dudes are. I want to see them like destroy this thing because it doesn't exist yeah. beyond like, have we seen it beyond this time? I don't think so. I don't, I don't think so either. Think so. It's very interesting. It's very yeah. intriguing. Yeah. <laughs> it is. Um, to close out this book, they, the ar- archivist is doing some, uh, some research and she, some, somehow she unveils that Yoda is still alive. And that this is a way to lure the Sith uh, into a trap. And so my my thought process here is, why is Yoda so sick in Return of the Jedi? Why is he like on his deathbed? Why does Luke all of a sudden just come back and everything is fine? So your theory about Luke being a part of this in a way, I think is correct because I feel like those two meet up again before even return of the Jedi happens. Like he has to go help Yoda. There's a battle on Dagobah. I don't know, but I'm hoping that they, they really go into this mm-hmm. and this is what we get because it would be amazing to watch like Luke and Yoda fight together. Yeah. Against these like dark side pricks. That would be, that would be awesome. Um, another question I have too, looking at the kind of the final panels here is the archivist looks like they're in the Jedi temple in the Jedi archives in the Jedi temple. And to me, wasn't the Jedi temple turned into the Imperial palace? Yes. So then I'm trying to, uh, where is she? Where is the archivist? I guess in the palace somehow what happened? What happened to the librarian from the prequels? She was in um, uh, Darth Vader, Dark Lord of the Sith. Her story ended abruptly there. <laughs> and then who um, took over? No one to to anyone's knowledge. So so then the archivist comes in. Maybe it is the archivist. Yeah, and then called the archivist. There you go. So maybe that's just already what she's got, does as a job, but is also part of Crimson Reign. I mean, who knows? Or Crimson Dawn? Who knows? Yeah. Yeah, I feel like she has dark side powers, absolutely, yeah. in some sort, some fashion. Yeah. Sadly, we go back to the narration from the archivist, mm-hmm. and she's she's t- she's going to finish her narrative. And you see, 
Kira, she's so, so, so confident that this, this is all going to work. And she, she's so overly confident, I would mm-hmm. say. Mm-hmm. And then the last, the words that the archivist speaks of her story are, this story is a tragedy with Kira mm-hmm. as the main focus of within that panel and the art. And I don't, I don't know what's going to happen. Is this a red herring? Is like, we don't know, but yeah. it is a really interesting way to set it up. Um, because Kira does Kira exist into the new Republic time. Like I keep saying it'd be awesome to see Amelia Clark on book above a fet, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. what happens? Does Darth Vader murder all these people? I, I am heavily, heavily anticipating what's coming next especially like that picture i sent you from the preview for issue mm-hmm. two of crimson rain with like ochi and destic surrounded by red guards fighting yeah. them off i'm ready yeah i'm ready i personally i think Kira's gonna be dead i think she's gonna die but i could be wrong um who knows all i know is that they've done it in such a way that i want to know more so exactly exactly this is this is only the second part of this whole trilogy of comics. Yeah. Yeah. And I'll tell you, this is this is the most excited I've been for any any real Star Wars things besides the Mandalorian book Boba Fett, of course. But this is my this is my thing. I love the underworld. I love this side of Star Wars outside of yes, you can have Jedi and Sith affecting the whole thing and how it ties sure. the whole galaxy together. But I love the underworld of Star Wars mm-hmm. and I'm happy embracing this and more absolutely i can't wait for more i can't wait for crimson rain too and i think when you're writing something that's all you really want from your audience is okay i want to know the next one now exactly and we'll be talking about that issue next month since we set this precedent and we'll be reading crimson or talking about crimson rain a month ahead because I don't want to wait. You want to wait. And the listeners don't want to wait. So, 100%. nor should you have to. No. Damn it. Not if we have anything to say about it. That's right. And this is our show. So, we have everything to say about it. Exactly. Um, Rocco, what else What else do you do? Tell us about uh, your other ventures on the DFAT Entertainment Network. Well, I'm part of a trash podcast called Critical Mass. Um, <laughs> Critical Mass Podcast. We're recording tomorrow night. Um, we do everything from politics to pop culture. No one's safe, and nor should they be. Um, I'm also on a show with you called Listen Up Casuals. We just did an episode talking about Thor. I'm Thor. I bet you are. Anyway, um, we, just, we just did uh, that episode, uh, so that should be up soon. And, um, you know, always uh, hanging out with Star Warriors. Exactly. Like I said earlier in the show, we have a special end of the year episode coming up with all of the dudes, the star dudes and the warriors and whatnot. So check it out. And then always, you know, every month we're here talking about the comics. So if you're enjoying it, let us know. If you're not, let us know. Yes. Until next time, my friend. We'll talk soon and make sure you support your local comic shop. That's right. And for everybody out there listening, may the force be with you.